welcome, 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 Real Stories Podcast listeners to another edition of Real Stories with Brian and Graham. Ooh, see what we did there? We mixed it up and Brian said his name first. See, we don't, we're pretty dynamic, Brian. Sometimes we like to make changes. They're subtle, but you know, we get the point across. We do. Uh, So today, Brian and I are going to tell the story of Lake Central Flight 527. It's tragic, but it's a story worth telling, and we think that uh, people will want to hear about it. It is. This was when I was a kid. There was a, I'd always knew. I grew up in Mifflin Township, oh, yeah. uh, which the, this happened in Marseilles Township, but I grew up in Mifflin Township, and I always had heard that, you know, not far from here, there was a plane crash in a field. Yeah. Uh, and it turns out it was 1967, March 5th. There was a plane crash of a, of a flight 38 people died. Yep. Everyone on board. 35 passengers and three crew. We, we won't give anything up, but it it didn't crash the way I had always assumed it did. Take everything you ever assumed about this this accident and throw it out the window. Yeah. Because it's not what you think. You know, if, if somebody... This is almost one of those things where if you wanted to, you could do enough research on all these people. You could do one of these things where people do a whole series where it's like the Lake Central crash. Here's everybody, you know, and and there's a bunch of souls that were on board that plane who had lives and families and all sorts of stuff. So anyway, we hope that you guys enjoy it. It's fun to do as usual. You know, just hope that you guys like it. If somebody's writing a screenplay, we'd be happy to be technical advisors. We will be in on it. So, all right. I hope everybody enjoys the show. Thank you for listening. Okay. So, Graham, are you familiar with any commercial airline accidents that have taken place in Wyandotte County? I believe there was one out near Marseilles. That's correct. It's been a while ago. Uh, uh, yeah. Like, but yeah. Uh, my, my dad was a kid. Oh, yeah. When it happened. A lot of people were kids. Back a lot then. of people were kids back then. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, 1967. It's March 5th, uh, which is also the birthday of one of our good friends, Hannah. Um, and oh, nice. yeah. It, yeah. So if you're interested, I can give you a really good rundown of the accident, what happened, um, how it happened, and what came out of it. Can can I take some credit for where this story begins before you start? I, I, so, okay. I so it's I guess. a Friday <laughs> night. Brian and I You take credit for everything else. On. I don't know why this would be. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> it's a Friday night and Brian and I are oh, in the barn. <laughs> and a, a, on Tuesday of this week, I think... Uh, I was, you know, in a wormhole and all of a sudden I found this thing and I immediately was like, oh my God, dude, is there a PDF of this? And I, <laughs> I found it and I sent it to Brian at about 9 PM and I, I don't know, you, you received it. at So, so Graham and I were just kind of discussing these details and I didn't realize he was going to bring this up until now. However, I'll tell you what happened on my end. So I'm laying in bed. That's right. I go to bed kind of early. You're allowed to go to bed before nine, nine o'clock. I usually just lay in bed and watch TV is what we do. But, yeah. um, so I, I noticed on my watch that I had got a text from Graham and it said that a file was attached. Hold on. You wear your watch to sleep. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, All right. I'm on call. Because of stuff like this. Are you a doctor? I'm on call for accident <laughs> investigations. So so he, I, I see there's a file attached. And I think to myself, I'm not looking at that right now. It's Tuesday <laughs> at 9 o'clock. I'm laying in bed. Well, curiosity got the best of me. And it took me about four and a half minutes to reach over and grab my phone off the charger and look. Lo and behold, it's an accident investigation report. Yes. Uh, it's fantastic. It's gold. Uh, obviously, this is you know, uh, it's it's a sad event. Yeah, it really uh, is. But it's been fifty five years, and I found that accident report. And I was so pumped. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, I didn't know there was an accident report. Of course, there is. Yeah, it's yeah. an NTSB. Well, it wasn't NTSB. It might have been NTSB report at the time. Um, what, what's the NTSB? It's the National Transportation Safety Board. It was. Oh. Uh, it's been, and and we can get to the the bottom of the NTSB at some point. But uh, I've actually been to the NTSB a couple times. Uh, Is it in DC? So they have a they have a, a a their corporate headquarters, so to speak, their executive headquarters, basically, is at 490 Lafont Plaza in Washington D.C. Yes. Okay, 
Um, but their training facility is incredible. And their training facility is where you learn to do accident investigations. So what people don't understand about me is that I work in railroad investigations. So one of the things people don't understand. That's about a, that's a, yeah, it's, a <laughs> it's a long list. Okay. I'll be the first to admit that. Uh, but, but I do transportation has always been a, a, a favorite of mine. Like I've always been into transportation and I got into transportation. So I started doing these accident investigations for railroads, for transit rail. And I spent some time at the NTSB training facility um, in Ashburn, Virginia. I saw TWA Flight 800. Are you familiar with that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So after that accident, it was a tragic accident, took off out of uh, JFK or LaGuardia. I don't remember which one, um, but off off the East Coast. And it, it exploded. It was a whole yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, they took the plane and part of the lawsuit settlement was they got to keep the plane and they reassembled all the pieces exactly the way it was, but it's, it's a collage of pieces of exploded plane. Wow. Yeah. So I'm seeing a picture of it here. There's, there's only like one picture of it because reconstructed it. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy looking. So that has since been decommissioned. Uh, that was, it was decommissioned in July last year of 2021, uh, the NTSB is actually looking for a smaller facility, so they're yeah. moving out of that one. Um, Do they decommission them after 25 years? Because I noticed it was July 1996. Whereas- so that was part of the settlement, and they, they don't typically do that. That That's that's done for uh, accident investigation, reconstruction, training. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they had this one that they kept, and part of the agreement with the families of the deceased was that after X amount of years, they would they would get rid of the plane. Gotcha. And it would never be put on display in public for anybody. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's tasteful. Right. J- so JFK, by the way. It was it JFK? JFK okay. Yeah. And it, it's really haunting as you, because I got to walk through oh, it. And it's walking through a catacomb or, you it know, is. it's like, yeah. yeah, it's, it's weird. It's a, it's an eerie feeling like the, the wires and everything are still in the looms and, and I imagine they, yeah, tried to put it back together as that's what they did. Yeah. As accurately as possible. Which, and because of that, that's how they could recreate the accident and decide what happened. Okay? Yeah. Um, and, and this, this, this accident at Marseilles is no different. Uh, this was one of the early examples, I guess, of the NTSB because the NTSB really didn't come around or, or wasn't actually authorized until 1967. Okay. Was, so it was the, right the around same that year. Time. It was yeah. new. This could have been one of their first reports. Uh, for the NTSB. Before that, there was like the Civil uh, Air Administration uh, okay. and some other people. You know. have been writing reports for yeah. train wrecks probably. Oh, yeah. Probably where it started, I would guess. 1800s. Yeah. yeah. There, there's certainly railroad reports. Uh, 1826, the Air Commerce Act uh, required somebody to do investigations. If you're going to carry people in the sky, especially in 18, 1926, because we didn't know much about flying. Yeah. I mean, we were only 30 years into it at that point. Um, but by 1926, they basically said, you know, we need somebody to investigate these commercial airlines. The Air Commerce Act did that. There were a couple different bureaus, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but the NTSB was founded in 1967, as we know it now, kind of, uh, because that's when the Department of Transportation was funded oh, and became gotcha. a cabinet position also. Yep. And the NTSB was in charge of overseeing the FAA uh, accidents. And because of that, they also took on railroads. They're eligible for cars and pipeline also. Gotcha. So, so if there's like a big, huge car pileup, maybe they, they sure. go check it out. So a few years back, there was a limousine that, that killed... 15 people or something in upstate New York, they go investigate that. Or buses. Coach buses, they do those too. They probably checked out that bus, man, that bus down in Texas with the kids, the golfers on it. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Uh, The Bluffton baseball team. When when that happened in, uh, geez, when was that? Were were we in high school when that Um, happened? Somebody just brought that up the other day. Yeah, Um, that was in Atlanta, if I remember right. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, that, that that was tragic as well. Uh, but somebody has to investigate them. Somebody has to be a uh, a neutral third party, right? Yeah, because, right. Because if you have the company that owns it investigate it, they're not gonna they're not gonna do a great job. They're yeah. not gonna turn themselves in. So the NTSB was founded, and in 1975 they became an independent board, which reports directly to Congress. Yeah, so gotcha. They no longer report to the DOT. So the Bluffton wreck was in 07. Was it 07? Yeah, 07. Yeah, and then you know Marshall. I mean, it, it yeah, happens, yeah. man. It's crazy. It does. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. And somebody has to investigate those things. I am yeah. that somebody when it comes to rail transit investigations. 
Um, but because of that, I can also speak to the the technical aspects of this report. So, yeah. So I was excited when you sent it to me. For sure. So what happened? Uh, well, where do you want to begin? Do you want to know? <laughs> like, ex- do you want to do you want a brief um, synopsis of the accident? How about we do that? We'll yeah. S- we'll start with. Here's what happened. The flight, yeah, what happened? The flight took off from Chicago. It went to, what, Lafayette, Indiana. Um, then it was in Cincinnati, I believe, and then flew up to Columbus. From Columbus, it was supposed to go to Toledo and then Detroit. Yep. Between Columbus and Toledo, something happened because it disappeared off the radar. And right. the air traffic controllers in Cleveland noticed that. It took off. It was up to... Uh, 10,000. 10,000. It, it made it to 10,000. Yeah. Yep. Um, which which was probably cruising altitude for a plane. Now. I think so cuz then yeah. actually they were told to go back down, right? They went they were supposed to go back down to 8, I believe. Yeah, uh, something like that. Just to give some time so it's March 5th. It's March 5th. And there's 38 people on board. There are 35 passengers and three crew. Correct. Yep. A pilot, a co-pilot, and and a, and a stewardess, a yep. flight attendant. Yep. Yep. It takes off. It was a uh, it was a uh, Corvair. Is that correct? <laughs> uh, oh, when I read that, I was like, "Oh, well, okay." I don't, I don't know if it's Cor- it, it's a Con- Convair. Oh yeah, Convair. Yeah, correct. Convair, Convair CV five eighty. Uh, no, it was a three forty. It was a three forty. Yeah. Okay. So it was. It started off as it actually was built in nineteen fifty two. The plane was built in nineteen fifty two. It started off where I have so it somewhere. I, I've got it if you want me to. So, okay. Um, it departed Chicago for a flight to Detroit, which yep. you, you had. And then um, an intermediate stop in Lafayette, Indiana. Which is where Cincinnati. Purdue University is, right? Yep. yep. Uh, this flight, Lake Central kind of was, they were a regional. They were a small regional airline. And there were a lot of those small regional airlines back, back then. Back when think, they didn't all get sucked up. Think, think Buddy Holly. Yes. Like, like yes. That, these are these small airplanes that are, they're kind of puddle jumpers going from Des Moines to. So it, it leaves Lafayette, goes to Cincinnati, mm-hmm. um, refuels, goes to Columbus. And, put on, and it put on kerosene is what they use. It put on yeah, kerosene in Columbus. That. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, there was no need for. No service. No service because mm-hmm. there was nothing wrong with the plane. Everything plane was running fine. Was running fine. Yep. yep. They had no trouble. I should mention, I'm sure you'll get to it, but in case people are already on the edge of their seats this was not pilot error oh no not at all i I should mention i think i didn't know that till i read this i mean i knew there was flight i assumed it was crashed out there i assumed it was weather also yeah because back then raining back then things like that happened like i i just assumed all my life i and that's this is why if you sense the like excitement in my voice (laughs) this is why i got excited about this because all my life i assumed that this accident was well it was probably raining hit a thunderstorm turbulence whatever i fly an awful lot i know that even at thirty thousand feet it can get kind of scary in a big plane. I I gotta I I just say, want to say this because I'm I'm reading it in the report here, and this is just fascinating because this would never happen today. The aircraft arrived at Columbus at 7:35 and took off for Toledo 17 minutes later. Yeah, like they, how long do you think they had probably and and <laughs> they Col- let they let eight people off or I don't know I don't know those details. The, but they let a few people off and. The Cincinnati and Columbus pickups were the the busiest of the busiest legs for them. So Cincinnati to Columbus was a busy leg, and Columbus to Toledo was a busy leg. So people were traveling throughout Ohio. Yep. Right. Yeah. Or Detroit or wherever. Correct. So it did. It got up to ten thousand feet. They mm-hmm. were talking with uh, Cleveland, Cleveland air traffic, air control. traffic control, yep. and they were told to descend to 6,000 feet and to report when they got to 8,000 feet and 7,000 feet, which evidently and is 8,000 the feet. They yep. lost them. They like lost they, them. So yeah, it was. And what happened next was catastrophic. Yeah. I um, mean, I can't even think of another word to describe it. It's just catastrophic failure. Correct. So mm-hmm. what happened? Okay. So, so these people are flying in a plane and everything's probably going just fine. The brief synopsis, the good, the good news here. And I, you know, I, I'm, I'm conscious that, that several people died in this accident, right? Correct. But, yeah. but I There's am people still alive whose parents died on this plane. Probably. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's not, it's yeah. 55 years ago. Yeah. Because just a couple years ago, they did a, they, they did a memorial, um, Ron Marvin from the historical oh, society, society and, and Sean Neely reported on it. And, and there were people speaking out there that 
that were family whose members. Parents, actually, I think the, I think the son of the pilot was there. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's good that the you know the accident report really vindicated the pilot, and and that's yeah, yeah. that's what you know pilots. Anytime there's a major accident like that, you always assume well maybe the pilot was screwing up or something. Right. Not the case. Yeah. Yeah. Not the case at all. Um. So the good news here is that this all took place in about. 15 seconds. Yeah. And, and when I say 15 mm. seconds, I mean, it was, it was over in 15 seconds. Yeah. From the time it happened to the time the plane was pretty much on the ground. So again, because people, I'm assuming, you know, there's probably some people that have read this report, but uh, my assumption is that, you know, a plane kind of like starts to go down, they're losing fuel. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, get your seatbelts on. <laughs> yeah. Like, like you see in the movies, right? And, yes. And, the, and, and, the and then it comes down drops. and they, they try to make a crash landing and they don't quite do it. Not the case here. Yeah. Okay. Not even close. Okay. Not even close. Uh, so, so what happened here? All right. So you've got a propeller on e- either wing mm-hmm. and those propellers are spinning, you know, 10,000. I'm going to use a number. I don't know the, the, the details for sure. I'm going to say 10 to 15,000 RPMs. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, and it's probably more. I, I'm please don't text uh, us. I, I'll look it up. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll yeah. find it. I bet by the time you're done. Good. Okay. So, so they're spinning at 15,000 RPMs and in a matter of Less than two seconds, the the right. I think it was the right. Propeller. It was. It was okay. the right. The right engine. A propeller on the right engine. They dropped oil pressure so fast that it spun the engine up to a speed that it wasn't designed to operate at, and the propellers disintegrated. And yeah. when the and when the it, propeller disintegrated, uh, did the propeller disintegrate or did I, the like a pin? that held them. So when I say the propeller disintegrated, I mean the entire, the whole, the propeller system. Yeah. So there's, there's uh what? Six propellers on the, on the shaft, I suppose on the, on the spline shaft. Um, would it happen to be called of a helical spine? It was a helical (laughs) spine. Yeah. Yeah. On the torque of the torque piston of the number three blade pitch. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, those are the technical it, it, details. If people yeah. know of what an airplane propeller is. They might be like, "Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about." So if you don't know what an airplane propeller is, though, think the end of a crankshaft or the end of a uh, a camshaft in a car, and it's got a it's got like a splined end on it. Yep. That's what a that's what it looks like basically. Yep. So and that's running all of the that's coming off the pistons. It's running this this propeller system, this propeller unit. One of the blades flew off and this this is all happening in two seconds right one of the blades flew off made its way catastrophically through the fuselage of the airplane yeah is it fuselage or fuselage we'll call it the fuselage which is the the, it's the body of the that's the body of the plane so so this thing the the propeller spun off and spun into the plane. Spun into the plane. Yep. Yeah. Well, well, no, because the whole system, the whole, all six blades didn't, just one or two of them. Oh, okay. So okay. They, they just kind of popped off the spline. And when they did, it cut the plane virtually in half. And at that point, the only thing, it was down to 50% of the structural integrity of the plane, of the body of the plane. Yeah. At that point, it broke in half because it was traveling at... 293 miles an hour. Yep. Okay. So it's traveling 293 miles an hour, 8,000 feet in the air. And it weighed 53,200 pounds. It, that was the max weight. At takeoff, it was about 50,000 pounds. That's true. 50,626. Yeah. With, so it was with all the kerosene. Well, and within everything. its, well, within its cargo limits. Yeah. This, this, this propeller rips through the body of the plane, cuts it in half. The plane ends up breaking in half and essentially fell out of the sky. Yeah. That's it. So, okay. So, it, yeah. And w- was still traveling a little bit in its direction. Well, I'm sure they, momentum has it going. For, I mean, it's going 300 mile an hour. So. And, it, and when, it, when it lands, there's actually kind of two, two spots where all of the wreckage is. Sure. And there were some things a quarter of a mile away. Yeah. So I mean, it it had, it was basically falling apart in the air. It had, and dropping parts. I was gonna say it it fell apart and like it was officially in air dead. And it 
it, but it, it, but it must have still the pilot must have just because he's freaking out, right? He must have had it floored because everyone said they could hear like a propeller. No, like, no, like ramping. No, up. see what 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 that's from. So that that sound that everybody heard. So yeah. there there were eyewitness testimonies that it sounded like a ramp up, right? Yes, that's consistent with the mechanical failure because what happened. See what had happened was, you see. <laughs> That spline shaft, it's supposed to be a, a night, it's supposed to go undergo a, a what's called a nitriding process. And that's a, it's a case hardening process. Yes. So it's a case hardened metal or case hardened steel. And what they do is they take that and they put it in an oven for 48 hours at 975 degrees. Okay. So it's a heat treatment. It is. Okay. Yeah. Basically, so, you're making this part, and then when it's done, you heat, you heat treat it, yep. and that gets it, rid of the impurities and kind of hard. It like condenses it, and it, it's something is like that. that like I, the right I, way I'm not a metallurgist, but but right. yeah, you're not too far. There's a so there's a couple different ways you can do it. You can heat treat it. You can also do like a, a chemical treatment, which basically takes a donor agent like ammonia that has nitrogen in it. And, and there's a process that you can undergo and it's, it's a surface treatment that's designed to essentially take the surface of the product and somehow make it react with nitrogen or impregnate it with nitrogen and it hardens it. Yeah. There's some like, uh, you know, chemist out there that's like, you guys. There's a welder out there that's listening to us, I'm sure. Like, <laughs> you, you guys, guys are, are morons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and we'd be happy to hear the nitriding process if you can explain it better. But for the, for the lack of I explanation. Think good enough. Yeah. I think we're doing pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. So uh, it's supposed to undergo th this. This is, by the way, at about 8.05 uh, was the last time that 8.05 p.m. Yeah. March 5th, 1967 was the last time. They reported to the Cleveland, uh, what do you call it? The, the air traffic, the air control. traffic guys. Yep. And, um, they pretty much the reports on the ground said at about eight Oh seven, that was when it, they, they so, found them at about eight Oh seven. So actually at eight Oh six, they had on board recording device. Okay. Uh, so the plane was equipped with an onboard recording device. It's kind of the early days of the black box. Like we know yeah. the black yep. box now. Um, this was an onboard recording device and they could hear this, they could hear this strange whining noise, like an air siren ramping up yep. that was, that happened. And right at 8.06, it, the, everything went dead. Yep. Okay. So, so what happened is this, this spline, this, uh, is supposed to go through this hardening process, right? Yep. It, the engine is manufactured by Allison. Allison is a branch of General Motors at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm sure Allison might, I don't know if they're still making diesel engines or not, but they, they've been around a long time. Okay. Um, they've got a process. The uh, FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, has requirements for things like this. So you can't just make a product and then sell it as a commercial airline oh, part. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the FAA has been monitoring this whole situation since they started building this engine, there's nothing wrong with the process. They can't figure out where this is going wrong. Like, how did this happen? This just doesn't make sense. So they check maintenance records. Not a problem. Nothing Nothing in the maintenance records show it. Yeah. What they end up coming up with, and, and this is the best conclusion that the NTSB can find, and it's a probably like anybody who's worked in a factory probably will understand this. So Allison has a quality control system. And once every so many pieces or parts, somebody comes out, takes a lot, and by a lot, I mean they, they take a, a group of 10, and they take them back to a lab, and they test them. Yep. Somewhere between, between those parts being taken back to the lab, and they were tested. And, okay. and they know they were tested because they have marks on them from the, from the labs. Oh, wow. So this is, which also became, the, there's more to this story. So they think <laughs> that... Those parts then got mixed back in with production parts, but oh. had never undergone the heat treating process, gotcha. which, gotcha. which yep. allowed that spline to not be hardened to the point that it needed to be. And it stripped all those gears off, which wound up the engine really fast. Like right now, yep. oil pressure dropped. Boom. Boom. It broke. Yep. It broke. Yep. Crazy. Spun up just like that. Yeah. A little piece that I'm picturing it's probably like a maybe inch round 
basically bolt. You know, uh, it's not it's not a bolt, but it's about an inch round. Like it's it's a probably shaft. yeah, a it's shaft. a shaft with yeah. a like a like a spline shaft, like a yep. helical spline shaft on on the end. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, the flight recorder that you mentioned was a United Control Corporation model F. 542 flight recorder. The unit uh, was recovered and it was determined that it had functioned normally. Oh, so, so it did have a flight recorder. It had yep. a rudimentary flight recorder. Yeah. Because the they had a different device for capturing noise or communications, I guess. Yep. So good. Good. So yeah, that- I mean, it had, yeah, so 14 minutes. It took 14 minutes after liftoff from Columbus. The aircraft went from 10,000 to 8,000 feet, uh, was heading 322 degrees, was indicated airspeed at 254 knots. Just 293 mile an hour. Okay. <laughs> the, the recorder reading showed that at this time, the aircraft veered sharply to the right of heading nearly 40 degrees and immediately veered back to the left 55 degrees. Electrical power to the recorder there abruptly terminated. Boom. So you're talking like ba- basically that plane split in half and then it just went down. Uh, the in, it By all indications, it says that like a couple different reports that I read actually on this uh, say that that can happen in about one and a half to two seconds. Like like that's how long it probably took. Yeah. Um, there was also a voice cockpit voice recorder on board. Um, the playback of the recording tape revealed that substantial portions of the crew conversation and radio transmissions were unreadable, but there was sufficient intelligence to determine that the operation of the flight proceeded normally yep. until after the descent from 10,000 feet. Right. Yeah. Right up to the end. Yep. Yep. Took itself out of service. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's crazy. And then there's, so out in, uh, we haven't mentioned where this went down. Uh, we haven't mentioned, we have, we've a got lot. a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk about. <laughs> We're, we are going to kind of jump around here and yeah. I, I hope that's okay. But so this, it, it crashed out just southwest mm-hmm. of Marseilles. Yeah. Um, there's a cemetery out there. Uh, yeah. Taimakti Cemetery. Just, yeah. Just yeah. outside. Yeah. It, which cool. has that cool, it's like a double road that goes it's weird. Back. Yeah. It's, it's, it is it's got two odd. lanes that go back to it. Or, uh, or and one. I assume that's a farm lane. That's probably a farmer's lane, too, that goes back there. Or, um, or something. It might be. I'm, I'm sure it's township owned. I mean, it, oh, yeah. It's maintained. Sure. Yeah. Marseilles Township. This happened in Marseilles Township, southwest of Marseilles. One of like maybe if. If there's any youngsters out there, or well, anybody of any age, I suppose. Um, <laughs> yeah, one, what's what's th- youngsters now? <laughs> let me ask you this, Brian. How did you first know when we were younger that there had been a plane crash at some point? I know where you're going with this, yeah. and <laughs> here's how. Uh, because Mifflin School. There was a mm-hmm. there was a Mifflin School in Mifflin Township, um, and the the legend, rumor, or or ghost story however you want to describe it it, it. it is a ghost i mean it's a yeah. haunted story the, i mean at some level the legend sure yeah. well it's like sleepy hollow i suppose <laughs> <laughs> um is that they used mifflin school at the time the uh like the gymnasium or maybe one of the rooms i guess i, I shouldn't speak to that but the they gymnasium used, was it was it the, the gymnasium gym? and there was supposedly uh, blood stains on that gym floor they used it as a temporary morgue yes yeah because uh, there were 38 people that they had to first of all identify and second of all they had to they had to do something with these bodies the the remains had to be returned to the yeah, families there's 38 people that needed to be identified yep. and and that takes time and, and you, they were you know they were still um you know they were still strapped in their seat belts yeah. Uh, on the plane. That you plane know, when fell Ro- out of the sky. Roger Bowen was the first person on the scene out there, and he said he went into the plane to look for people, and they were they had all died, yep. which makes you wonder, you know, did they die from impact, or did they die from the oxygen uh, level? Well, it's only 8,000 feet. So, so they probably, yeah. Just, so, so it's not, it, it might have been, like, depressurization would have been a thing, and, and it probably, like, is that hypoxia when you, yeah. like... Uh, they they probably would have hopefully would have passed out and then yeah I assume that the impact if they were still alive at at that point the impact would have uh, jarred them to the point where that was actually what what killed them uh, I hope it was peaceful for them I guess you know that's the only thing we can kind of <laughs> that's the only thing we can kind of hang our hat on I guess is that it was a peaceful end um, yeah. So, so Mifflin school is now it's a, I think it's a Mifflin township building is out yeah, there. Mif- um, it was a, it was a kind of a cool old brick school building, uh, not like oh, an yeah. old one room school schoolhouse. 
No, like no. It, it was a it was a pretty decent sized building. That, it was weird because like when we were when I was a kid, and when I say a kid, I mean like fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Um, people were having parties. Like we you, we had parties you, there. You yeah. could rent it, and it wasn't a bad. It was a nice gym. It, it was for sure. It was yeah. probably as nice as most of the schools that <laughs> and I that we went to. I was there. in there, and I didn't see blood stains on the floor. No. No, but the you know we also didn't go up into the well. Of course, we didn't see blood stains because they probably cleaned it up pretty like, darn good. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure there was blood there at some point. You know? Um, I bet you there wasn't much. Yeah, that's true. I it's all it. stories, right? Yep. But again, email us, let us know, call us, text us, sure. <laughs> and tell us because we. And if anyone out there's listening and they're like, "Oh, I was on the scene," you know, or my grandpa told me this story, I wrote it down. We'd love to know about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, there are people that, you know, like Roger Bowen was there. There were other, uh, a decent amount of, of people showed up out there. Yeah. I think Tom uh, Fox was out there, right? The, uh, he was a deputy or he wasn't the fire chief by then, right? Yeah. Tom Fox was there, yep. was one of the first ones too. He okay. was a sheriff's deputy at the time and he got a call that there was a plane crash and he thought they were pulling his leg. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, which you would it's certainly hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, I, mean. this, uh, I read in the crash report that over two thousand people heard that plane crash. I don't doubt that because it and and you have to understand that thing's eight thousand feet in the air. That's not very high up. No, so and, and if you're from up or like you know when one of those C one elevens go by. Well, that's a, this one's not quite a C one eleven, but it's but, but it's you a, know you hear it like when yeah. when life flight comes into town and when you that, hear it every time and when that thing's spinning up if it's spinning at uh you know whatever fifteen twenty thousand rpms whatever yeah and it suddenly goes to thirty thousand rpms it makes a heck of a racket I'm yeah sure. Dan Shields was twenty three years old he was there just a um, young man yeah twenty three years old he said he'd returned from his grandfather's funeral when uh, the plane went down a few miles from his house this is from the Daily Chief Union mm. it was really icy rainy muddy day eighty two year old Shields recalls um, that this was. Uh, Five years ago, um, the plane flew over almost every night I and mean, it was uh, just lying in the field. It was like it had fell out of the sky. There was no smoke, no fire. It was mostly intact. It was just there. Yeah. Yep. Crazy. Yeah. And and that's interesting. That, that story that, yeah, that plane, there was a plane that flew by about the same time every night. Yeah. You know, well, it, that, it was that was on the, the schedule. It was like a train. By, yep. You know, that was air, air travel was supposed to be the next transportation big thing. And yeah. Um, he said the, the propeller had sliced through the plane, separating the cockpit from the body. Yep. Yeah. I even, I even saw in the, uh, and I, I took note of this because it's not something that I would, you would normally see. It's 1967. So they mentioned damage to the liquor kit. I did hear that. Yeah. It, that? it was like the thing went through <laughs> they, the liquor kit. They could see where the butt of the uh, propeller had went through the liquor kit. Yeah. Like it matched up perfectly with the butt of the propeller. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's funny that they Tom, had a liquor kit. Tom Fox uh, said in there, you know, there was no emergency medical services. Um, they borrowed tractors and wagons from neighboring's farms to haul the bodies through the icy, muddy field about 100 yards to the roadway where funeral home staff loaded the bodies into ambulances and hearses. The bodies were transported to a makeshift morgue at the closed Mifflin school. So it was closed by then. Yeah. Okay. So that, that school Mifflin schools on, it was closed for 30 years. (laughs) So it's a section 15 in Mifflin township. If you want to look up on a map, it's right right where where the township house is now. Yeah. One Oh three and 63 go go across there. Yeah. And there'd been a school there. That I looked up in the Wyandotte County 1884 book. There yeah. was a school there in 1884. One-room schoolhouse. I, that, yeah, yep. a one-room schoolhouse. So as far as, as far as the history goes, the Boy, a Boy Scout crew or a Cub Scout group or something, a group of young guys actually went out and helped clean that mess up in the gymnasium. Uh, and, th- and then that building was pretty much abandoned for a long time. They did a haunted house out there in the 90s. The hospital put one on before they went out um, to like that Humane Society building out in Crawford. So that building was creepy and was definitely a part of Wyandotte County uh, haunted history. But, but anyway, that's enough about that. Let's get to a break and uh, we'll just take a, take a quick break. And when we come back, Brian wants to talk about how this incident perhaps could have been avoided or at least what we've learned from it. Uh, We'll be back in just a minute.
right. So Brian and I are back. And yeah. so it's March 5th, 1967. And uh, the Lake Central Flight 527 goes down because of, you know, a mechanical error. Yep. And Brian believes it could have been prevented or at least you know if very, there, there was a there was yeah. a there was a race to prove i not necessarily prevent this because they they couldn't see it coming yeah but there was a race so to speak to there there was some there was some drama uh so let's go back to february 27th uh allison at the time had been doing service on their on their engines okay yep and they get this one back in for service and they notice that these splines are just about stripped off like that this engine probably wouldn't have lasted much longer either yeah so the splines are shift or are wore off really bad and that's when they discovered that that hardening process that we discussed earlier that that case hardening um had not taken place on this unit and they knew that because they stripped they through chemical analysis they discovered this so that's february 27th the process goes that they have 40, essentially 48 hours to notify the FAA of some kind of catastrophic, potential catastrophic failure of a critical component. And the engine and propeller is a critical component, obviously. So they notify everybody. Allison gets on the phone and they say, okay, let's look at this batch. And from records that they, you know, the, the most of the records that they had, because actually they had a pretty good process control back then because they were a, a, an automotive supplier yeah in right. 1967 engineering was it was pretty sophisticated I, I mean you wouldn't know it from everybody talking about you know working oh. on their cars under a shade tree well look at i mean they were still fantastic vehicles in 1967 we we did a heck of we put a man on the moon with that technology yeah i mean that so so the engineering was there it was available so, so they had a good process control. They had everything that they needed to be doing. They were watching everything. Somehow these parts slipped through. So they reach out to everybody that has these certain lot numbers of engines because this plane had just been built and they had just took possession of it September of 1966. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I did look this up on the break. They're now owned by Rolls Royce. Oh, yeah. Anyway, sorry yeah. for that tangent. So <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Okay. So they, they have these parts back. They, they realize that they're defective and they need to get the word out. So they put the word out to all these companies that bought this engine. So they serialize everything. They go to all the manufacturers, all these uh, customers and they say, if you still have this plane, stop using it immediately and do this check. So they went to, uh, not Allegheny, but, uh, Lake Airlines. Yep. Lake they, Central. Lake Central. Thank you. They go to Lake Air, Lake Central Airlines and they say, you have this plane we've identified that your engines are part of that. So they did it. They did the check. At the time, the check, there was a magnetic drain plug. So what they asked them to do was take the drain plug out and check for- Any uh, metal shavings metal in the shavings. oil. Yep. Yeah. And it'll also discolor the oil to make a kind of a grayish color. So okay. oil yep. is supposed to be green. Um, if there's metal shavings in it, they'll show up as, it'll, it'll be real gray. So they did that. They changed the oil pulled the plug out. They even took the oil that they took out and they poured it through a paint filter, just like yeah. the, the airworthiness directive. Oh, the airworthiness directive. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's just, yes, just yes. like the directive says. <laughs> so they did that and, and everything seemed to be on the up and up. Right. Unfortunately, this one wasn't. Yeah. And for some reason, like they, they went through the mechanic that did it. They questioned him and everything that he said he did was by the book, just like he was supposed to. And by all, means it should have caught it yeah but for yeah. some reason this one didn't yeah it, it probably just because it was it was good enough to usually not fail and well, right it, it hadn't started yet and evidently once it did so it just went quick so in in accident investigations and and system safety there's a there's this guy named dr james reason okay dr reason developed what he called the swiss cheese model and basically what that means is that if you take 20 slices of Swiss cheese. Okay. These are all this, all the things that have to happen that, yeah. that have the hurdles that have to happen. But eventually you're going to get enough slices of Swiss cheese that you're going to be able to see through it. Like the oh, holes gotcha. are all yeah, going to yeah. line up. Yeah. Right? Yep. That's an, that's a failure. That's an accident. That's, that's how that happens. Yeah. And that's, that's what happened here. Like all of the things that they were, that were supposed to catch it, all of the, 
all of the safeguards that they had in place were supposed to catch it. The the engine had a uh, a lat or a uh, a safety mechanism on it, so that if it started to spin up too fast, it would catch it and not allow the pitch to pitch up so high that it that it spun up the engine and resulted in catastrophic failure. Yeah. However, it failed so fast that it that safety mechanism failed and it couldn't catch it. So that's another thing, another slice of Swiss cheese right there. Yeah. So all of these things are lining up together and it creates this one catastrophic failure. Yeah. Can you guys tell out there how geeked out Brian is about this? (laughs) (laughs) He's like so pumped up over there. You guys should see him. He's just like super fired up. I know this stuff. Uh, Hold on. Yeah. Like this Swiss cheese, you know, everybody's hungry now. They're like, doesn't have any crackers. Listen, Graham's a teacher, so he geeks out on stuff like <laughs> Colonel Crawford. I geek out <laughs> on finding the yeah. accident report at yeah. 8.30 on a Tuesday. <laughs> and, and, and when Colonel Crawford discussions come up, he goes, oh, that's so cool. Let me let me talk to you. This uh, is the stuff that geeks me out. <laughs> I, I was talking with a guy, a great guy the other day, and he he brought up the Colonel Crawford uh, site, and, and he was talking about a letter uh, uh, about Hannah Crawford and her pension letter that she got, oh, yeah. and he, he couldn't remember who signed it. And I was like, <laughs> "Was it uh, David Williamson?" And he was like, "Yeah." Well, how did you know that? And I was like, mm, yeah, "I don't know. I just know weird things." Uh, but yeah. So, um, I, I do you mind if I just go through just for the sake? I'm gonna it's 38 names. I'm just gonna read their names. Uh, maybe somebody out there, you know, that's listening. So the captain was a guy named John Horn. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was 45 from Indianapolis, 22,000 air miles. Yeah. Well he had a ton of experience yep. and had never had anything. You nope. know I mean? It's it, it, I suppose that's the best, right? That's the best scenario is that this really was an accident. This it, was a pretty freak accident. Th- this is it is fr- like I I am geeking out about this because this never happens. Yeah, like, I never see every time. It's always it, uh, oper- human factors is what they call it. Um, yeah. Oh, but for but sure. it's operator Somebody error. Screwed up. Yeah. Yep. And and s- this is kind of a human factor because the you know the hardening process that didn't happen. Don't mm-hmm. know how it skipped out. Probably somebody was taking their lunch break a little early and the next person came back in and they went, eh, let's get these back into production. Yeah. I it mean, happens. you know, all accidents are at some level human error also. I mean, within everybody does reason. everything. If everybody follows the controls, then nothing happens. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, and then the, the, the co-pilot was Roger Skillman and his son was the one I mentioned earlier that was, he came and spoke. Oh, he, was it? Okay. And was super humbled by it. He is now married and has four kids and they were all out there. Sure. He's um, 60 years shook old. Shook everybody's hands and was super appreciative that somebody remembers this, yeah, you know, I mean, right. if, if one thing that Wyandotte County does, it's kind of like, there, it's not a ton of things happen here. We can hang our hats on the things that are important. Yeah. And we re- <laughs> people mean, remember them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so, so I want to talk real quick about how, how we kind of make sure that this doesn't happen again. Yep. Okay. Uh, cause, cause that's, that's important to note that, you know, it happened and it was a freak accident, but if we don't correct those, if we don't learn from it, then what, what good, then it was all in vain. So, the FAA after this after this horrible accident, the FAA issues an airworthiness directive. So they basically go out and they say anybody that has this engine, stop immediately, stop using it. Doesn't matter if you've done the oil check or not. Take it out of service. We're gonna you're gonna make changes. Yeah. Um, and what they did, they increased the pitch flow restrictor, which was that safety mechanism that I talked about yep. that failed. Um, so that it, even if the oil pressure dropped, it couldn't spin so fast that even a good part might uh, yeah, so, be able to fail. So essentially what happened was the tube that the oil was flowing through was too, too big. So if they restrict that down, hopefully it, it, if it does fail again and it drops pressure immediately, it won't spin up so fast that that safety mechanism won't catch it. So, so yeah. that's what this was meant to do. Yep. So, so they correct that, um, they redesigned the torque cylinder to have what they termed an an infinite life standard, which I think yeah, is kind yeah. Of, yeah. I wish everything would last forever. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Like, how I, about they make some shoes? That you're no that. kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you make my car last forever? Yeah. Um. And then the 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 housing of the propeller. It's it it's the pitch lock housing. The hub bolts they increased from 175 
1,000 PSI tensile strength up to 220,000 PSI tensile strength. And they went from the number of bolts in the original was eight up to 16. So they basically made this thing fused together. Um, And in addition, Allison in their plant, and if anybody's working in a factory, you'll understand, an automotive industry, I guess I should say, because they're kind of famous for process control. Um, You'll understand this. They serialize the torque piston for the manufacturing process so they can trace that piston back to exactly when it was built. They increased log books. So they are checking each station as that serial number goes through the, the person sitting at the desk, testing it, you know, working at it, filing it, whatever, writes that serial number down before they pass it on so they can they can track every single part on the plane. And then they added an, and this is this is something that I think is is simple. It's it's elegant. The addition of colored medallions in parts bins to identify where that part is in the manufacturing process. So if you have a bin full of parts and there's a say it, it's like a chit system, C H I T. Yeah. If if it's got a blue chit in there, you know that that hasn't been case hardened yet. So okay. So after it comes out of the case hardening system, that whole set would have a red chit. And and I don't know that that's the that's the that's the basic the colors. Of it. Yeah, yeah, they're doing something with them. Okay, so good. So I think we've you know we've we've gotten to the bottom of this. But real quick, just to just to summarize this whole scene up again. So, you know, Lake Central Airlines flight 527 had run a bunch of missions. Their crew was good. There was just a defect in this spline in the right propeller of this plane. And it takes off from Columbus on March 5th. And around 8.05, that spline gives way. The propeller flies through the fuselage of this airplane that it was in perfect condition prior to that and that plane basically uh you know the the nerve bundle that ran uh the the electric bundle that ran up to the cockpit was spliced so they lose all control and that's why there's no uh, you know, there we don't hear them uh on the flight uh recorder going down because all power to that plane was cut and that plane just dropped out of the sky um it crashes about about two and a half three miles south Southwest of Marion and uh, a gory scene. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a freezing rain night on a Sunday night. You know, people have just gotten done watching the Ed Sullivan show most likely. And they hear this blast. They go out and begin picking up the, the pieces of this crash where 38 people had died. There's you know, no survivors. Uh, there were bodies, uh, mostly in the plane, but there were a couple bodies, even the body of a small child who probably was not buckled in, was found a little ways away in a farmer's yard. And, you know, there were bodies, a couple bodies found in a couple ditches nearby. But the guys go out, people go out, and they, they clean this scene up. They load the bodies onto the the wing of the airplane, and there's probably a very eerie evening with this mucky freezing rain and people trying to get tractors and bulldozers back there to help get bodies out of there and they they mark the bodies and they make sure everybody knows you know even like the what seat they were sitting in and any jewelry they had on so that they could identify these bodies Uh, they then transported them with the help of lots of people to Mifflin School where over the next couple of weeks, people come and identify those bodies. Um, a lot of young people on board, people just thinking they're going on a little hop. Uh, you know, not not a long flight. These people weren't really going on vacations. A lot of people working, returning to college, and uh, and that's that's the story. Uh, uh, the in a nutshell uh, of Lake Central Flight Five Twenty Seven. Um, so obviously a sad story, but we hope that we helped tell it in a reasonable way. So that being said, Hey, listen, please subscribe to the podcast. If you hit that subscribe button, uh, you know, it's easier for everybody else to find us. We also have a website. We do realstoriespodcast.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we own that domain. And if anybody well, thinks that it's theirs, it's ours. We own that domain as much as anybody can own anything. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, do do tell your <laughs> friends, tell everybody about us. If you have a cool uh, relative or a, a story that you think we should do, 
let us know. We have about 922 in the queue. We'll throw you on the end and <laughs> uh, that, we'll that's try a, to get to it. That's a great point. I, I should note that I have got a couple emails uh, and, and we've noticed all of them. I Please keep sending them. Um, don't think that just because we didn't respond, we didn't receive it. So, we thank you. love hearing. I mean, it's, it's awesome. I had a student today say... Um, Treadway, when's the next podcast coming out? And I was like, do you listen to my podcast? And he's like, yeah, John, Gra- that John Grafmiller one was fantastic. And I was like, oh my gosh, a 17 year old kid. So, so listen, listening to the podcast. I was at lunch today at 488. And let me tell you, I, I love 488. It's a fantastic place to eat. Yeah. If you haven't been uh, up 488 where this is not a promotion, no, but 488 is great. No. And Kelsey yeah. is, is awesome. She's cool. And yeah. she, I was sitting down at the bar eating lunch and she was sitting beside me working. She was, she was creating her new, uh, uh, cocktail list. And I, I just happened to ask her, I said, Hey, you know, Graham and I have this podcast and it, and she's like, Oh yeah, I know. I'm like, Wait, you listen to it? And she goes, yeah, it's good. I'm like, I don't even listen to it. Yeah. People <laughs> listen to it, man. It's cool. I think it's funny when people, I, I say that, you know, I don't listen to it and people look at me like, you don't listen to your own podcast. I'm like, no, I was there the first time. Why would I need to hear it again? <laughs> yeah. Well, I edit it. Bill Latham. I do actually listen to them all. But B- Bill Latham, uh, just two, three weeks ago, uh, we did them a year ago. Listen to Fritz and the kid. He listened to uh, Fritz. Kid. He said he started it at 11 PM and he goes, man, I, you know, I, I same like you say, because I didn't think, you know, oh, well, I, I don't need to listen to it. Yeah, I was right. there. You know, I, I know what we talked about. And he said, oh, it's really actually it's, pretty fun it's to listen to. It's great for driving. It is. I'm sure that's why every what everybody's doing, right? It's like, yeah. oh, I need something to listen to. Probably. And, and yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, do we, we appreciate that you guys are listening. It's we do. super cool. Yeah. Um, and we'll keep them coming. We've got, I we actually have one that we've been working on. I'm not going to give away what it is. But we literally just keep digging and digging. <laughs> and it's like, just seems like there's so much. And we, it's like one of those papers you write where you're supposed to write a 10 page paper. And all of a sudden you look down and you're like, oh God, we're, I'm we're, on 18 pages. <laughs> we're really struggling to scope it because it may end up being a, a, a multi. A, a, yeah. Part one, part two, part three, even. Cause, yeah. Because there's so much material. And, and we also have a stellar guest coming up. We've got a couple. We do. We yeah. have a couple great interviews yeah. uh, that we're that we have scheduled. So, and we're gonna try and get ten episodes in this year, and then we're gonna cut it off for summer, just like we did last year. And let me tell you, if anybody's dying for more, we'll be back next season. We will. <laughs> uh, but we do. We still have a solid three to go this oh, year, yeah. yep. and uh, we'll get them out, and we'll talk to everybody soon. Uh, everybody, yeah. keep it real. Thanks for listening. <laughs>